Everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and some exciting things are coming up. Um, Eternal Leadership is a sponsor and going to be attending the Culture Shaper Summit. It's going to be in Washington, D.C., March 28th through the 31st of uh, 2019. And we would love for you guys to be part of that. Um, and and we have uh, just an incredible guest today, James Kramer. James, welcome to the podcast. Excellent. So great being with you guys today. Oh, man. So great to have you here. Uh, you know, James is going to be one of the keynote speakers. He works together uh, with his wife. You guys have started the World Changer magazine. It's all about influencers shaping um culture it, it's something you guys need to connect to james i know you're a you're a you got a huge focus on aligning brands and business strategies to accelerate growth um but the other thing too is just you, this core belief and what you do is about uh that christians uh that we should be on the leading edge of technology innovation design and you can, you have this this vision to see christians leading and influencing in every sphere of culture um not only leading, but also using that as a way to disciple nations. And uh, I got to tell you, James, when I, when I was recovering from my accident and I read that verse, right? That I, I felt like that was something that was said individually to me and all of us. I'm like, how does one person, you know, disciple a nation? But you know what? Through community, through conversations like this, through just actually making you know a series of small step forwards, God partnering with us uh, can actually do some amazing things. Those are some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, you and uh, Anna, who was uh, couldn't join us today, so we'll all get to meet her at the summit, right? You guys founded NUMA 33 Creative. That's P-N-E-U-M-A-3-3, if you guys want to look it up, and the World Changer Network that we're going to uh, talk about a little bit today. So, James, welcome to the podcast, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's a privilege to get to connect with you and your audience around the world, and uh, just looking forward to do Kingdom together. Yeah, me too. So here, let's do this. So you know, so people can get to know you a little bit. Kind of take us back to the beginning and talk us, you know, talk us through the journey that led you to to what you're doing now. As we before we kind of get into talking about how we can actually influence and shape culture around us. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my family come from a, a long lineage of pastors. Um, in fact, my parents have been Assemblies of God pastors for almost 50 years and about five generations of pastors above them. My wife's family are all business people. So they're from Poland originally, immigrated to Canada, and uh, all very, very successful business. So when my wife and I married, uh, I was planning to go into ministry uh, originally, and she was planning to go into business. When we got married, I was actually looking to switch from ministry into business and she was looking to switch from business into ministry. So we kind of swapped roles a little bit and we ended up doing business as ministry. And uh, we just began seeing that uh, the marketplace was really where God was moving. And I no longer wanted to be in church leadership. I wanted to, to be in the business uh, marketplace arena. And my wife was saying, well, she wanted to live a life of of ministry because she'd been successful in business. And so she was ready to have kingdom impact. And so it became this beautiful merging of two different lives and two different backgrounds into how do we actually impact lives and transform our cities and disciple the nations. And so that's what we began doing. In fact, uh, on our honeymoon, the Lord began speaking to us immediately about forming a creative agency to promote people and businesses and ministries and organizations into greater levels of influence. We heard the Lord say, that heaven is the source of all creativity. Mm. Uh, all ideas, strategies, innovations, 
prototypes, models, breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs, technological breakthroughs, all of these originate in heaven. They're all God's idea. We're simply laying a hold of them. And so as Christians, we should be able to lay a hold of them and uh, release them into the earth. We should be able to lead in every sphere of culture. We should have the best ideas, the best strategies, the best visions. Uh, Christians should literally have a leg up on everybody else because we have access to the very source of all creativity. So that's uh, that, the Lord began speaking that to us on our honeymoon, literally in Maui. And that's where this all kind of started. Well, I, you know, I love that. And when you say business is ministry, what do you mean by business is ministry? You know, years ago, Billy Graham said the next great move of God was going to be in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he was really trying to articulate was that it's time for Christians to stop thinking about church as the place for ministry to happen and instead begin realizing that we're called to actually infuse kingdom in every sphere of culture, wherever we are, whether you're uh, a stay-at-home mom or you're homeschooling your kids or you're in the medical sphere, the education or government or business or arts and entertainment or media or whatever sphere it is, whether you're called a prison ministry or you're just an athlete and you're ministering to your team members or you're a celebrity or you're an actor. It doesn't matter. Whatever sphere you are in, you are called to infuse it with the kingdom. And so uh, although we use the term marketplace, what we're really trying to say is we are called to be the ecclesia in every single aspect of our lives, not just in church on Sunday morning. And when you say infused with the kingdom, what does that look like practically for people listening going, you know what, you're right, I would, I do, I want to bring that, you know, into my, you know, Monday through Friday life, not just, you know, going to church on Sunday. So what would, what would that look like practically, James? Yeah, well, uh, so before I get practical, let me give a, just a little uh, philosophical background behind it. Sure. Uh, so you have... Jesus turning to Peter and saying, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my, we translate it church, but that's not the word that was actually used. The word that was used was ecclesia. Mm-hmm. And the problem the problem about talking about church is that when we think church, we think of a place to go, but that wasn't a concept that Jesus used. Jesus yeah, used the, the building with the steeple and the pews and things like that. That's right. And so we think of church, upon this rock I will build my church, and we think of the institution, the organization of the church. But Jesus used a word called ecclesia, which was more of how we are supposed to be. It was a behavior. It was an act. It actually came from a Roman, a Greco-Roman term that was actually based upon a, a Roman law that said everywhere where two or three Roman citizens are gathered, they are the ecclesia, which means the might, authority, and power of the Roman Empire and the Roman law came to bear in that place. So they could literally enact Rome wherever two or three Roman citizens were gathered. So it's interesting what Jesus says, Mm. where two or three of you are gathered, I am there in your midst. He was literally saying, where two or three of you are gathered, you could bring the might, authority, power, and presence of heaven to bear in that moment. And you can enact heaven's will because you are citizens of my kingdom. So he was actually. And when he said that, he was also relating to the the crowds at the time because they understood that concept, because that was that concept was already in 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 the the culture the Romans were bringing in, right? That's right. He used their language and used a term that they understood Mm. from the way the Roman culture worked to say, "Where two or three of you are gathered, you can enact heaven everywhere you go. Make it like heaven, like the Lord's prayer: Come, Thy kingdom." Be done thy will on earth as it is in heaven. It was literally, you are called to enact heaven everywhere you go. Take the atmosphere of heaven. The blind should see, the lame should walk, the deaf should hear, the dead shall be raised to life. Lives should be transformed. 
And our cities should reflect the atmosphere of heaven. That's what we're called to do. And so that's what he was literally saying. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. I will build a mobilized group of Christians who will enact kingdom everywhere that they go. Okay, now, uh, that is. thank you for that uh, sharing that with me. I'd never heard that before, and um, I love that. Because, you know, we're talking about, you know, where two or three of us are gathered, right? And... Um, I've heard so many stories of people that actually just start that are in very secular organizations that are very antithetical toward people of faith, but they find a couple others and they start, you know, little prayer groups. And all of a sudden, this entire organization, I can't say which one it is, but it's in the state of California and it has a tremendous amount of influence. And all of the leaders of this organization are now getting together unified in prayer and what is coming out of this this governing body in the state of California is absolutely changing how almost everything is happening uh, relative to the past. So um, I, I, I want people to understand the power of just a couple people, even in an organization that seems like it's stacked against you. That we're looking at it from the world perspective, not God's perspective, not from a kingdom perspective. Right, James? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's not without opposition because the enemy does not want Christians to be unified. He doesn't want us to be mobilized. He doesn't want us to collaborate. And so uh, he's he's mixed us all up. In fact, um, even my wife and I, we're in Oregon. So we're Christian business owners in a, in a state that's very, very hostile to Christians in the marketplace. It's not easy. I mean, we've all heard stories about the 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 bakery that wouldn't make a, a wedding cake for a couple and they yeah, got that's sued. Yeah, here in Colorado. And, yeah, well, that happened here in Oregon as well. Uh-huh. And so it's very, very tricky. It's very difficult. And in fact, a lot of the opposition that we've encountered are from other Christians who who are of this mindset. Um, it's interesting that you actually have a lot of Christians who are saying Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Christians should keep their faith out of business. Christians shouldn't bring their faith into the education system. So we actually encounter a lot of Christians that oppose kingdom in every in every aspect of culture. What do you think the reason behind that is? I think that the enemy has done a tremendous job uh, uh, messing with our minds. <laughs> I, I think that it's the enemy's strategy to get us to just go back and recede and hide behind the four walls of the church. And I think that every time we agree with that, um, we're playing right into his plans. He doesn't want us to wake up and realize we're supposed to be infusing the atmosphere of heaven into every aspect of our lives seven days a week. Yeah, and, and and so when you're working with people, right? Yeah, I know there's a a lot of you know just the work you and Anna do, you know the clients that you work with. Um, what does that look like? Bringing that atmosphere of heaven into you know day to day when we're out in whatever sphere of influence we're in, right? Whether it's in business or government or politics or arts and entertainment, you know these different you know spheres of culture. Yeah, you know I'll give one I'll give one story. We had a client um, in our in our agency. So Numa Thirty Three Creative is our creative agency. The Lord told us to to start to promote His people into greater spheres of influence and culture. So whatever industry they're in, and um, and so uh, a number of years into it, we had this lady um, here in Bend, Oregon, approach us, and uh, she came and sat down in our boardroom. We didn't know who she was. She just wanted a meeting. She came and sat down with us, and she said, "So I've been to your website." 
And I just really have a problem with how much you talk about your faith on your website. I think it's very offensive. And I have no idea why you'd think that was appropriate. This, these are literally her first words that come out of her mouth. We don't know anything about her. And she said, however, I'm in need of a, of a branding agency. And um, I've met with seven other agencies here in town. I only work with the best and you guys are the best. So as long as you don't preach at me and bludgeon me and try to hit me over the head with a Bible, I want to hire you because I only work with the best and you're obviously the best. And so she began working with us and she hired us. Uh, and then about a year later, her husband left her. And so they were filing for divorce. And guess who she calls? She calls up my wife and says, I know that you guys are praying people. Will you guys pray over me? I'm really going through a lot right now. So the point is, first of all, there are a couple of ways that really matter if we're going to actually impact um, culture. One of them is excellence. Excellence mm. buys us the privilege of being overt about our faith. If you are excellent at what you do, even people who are antithetical and opposed to you have to give recognition for it. And the Bible talks about that. Do such great things among the pagans that though they accuse you, they may actually glorify God. And so the, the reality here is if you're actually going to talk about having influence in culture, you have to solve people's problems. You have to build credibility. You have to be reliable. You have to be excellent. You have to follow through. And you have to actually come to them with a solution, not just a gripe. And I think for too long, we've sit here and said, well, we want it to be our way. And we've thrown tantrums when what we needed to be doing was actually come and solve problems. So it doesn't matter what sphere you're in, you've got to solve problems for people and you've got to be one who brings answers and solutions, not just complaints. And you need to be excellent at what you do. Yeah, and look at uh, how Jesus modeled that, right? When he met people, the woman at the well, the woman about to be stoned, so many other examples. He came in, he solved their problem, um, and then, you know what, he had the ability to have influence and impact in their lives, right? And he's just asking us to do the same thing. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, without doubt. Yeah. I mean, you see it time and time again of people in the Bible who got promoted to greater levels of influence. They all did it because they did it out of excellence and they solved a problem for somebody. Yeah, it makes me think of Joseph, right? Mm -hmm. what, what an amazing. And he, somebody who had the absolute right to probably, from our perspective, complain about his circumstances never did, did he? Mm hmm. So you know, you know everything that you're seeing right now, kind of in the in the center of this, and in, in you know up there and uh, up there in Oregon, uh, you know what do you what are you sensing right now that's on God's heart, right as He's moving in our culture in these different cultures? Yeah, I think that unity is God's strategy mm. right now. I think that He is after collaboration. I think that heaven holds the answer to every problem that our world faces. But the Lord has made it, he has designed it in such a way that he has to operate through the body of Christ to enact heaven here. He wants to partner with us. And I think that for so long, we have not done a very, very good job of collaborating and partnering with one another. I, I know that growing up, too many times I saw two pastors from the same denomination in the same small town still unable to partner with each other. Even though they share all the theology and doctrine and they come from the exact same denomination, they still can't partner together. So all these arguments that the reason we can't partner is because we don't agree theologically, I think that that's hogwash. I think that if that were true, you would have pastors from the same denomination partnering really well, but they don't. 
And so as a result of an inability to partner together, we also have not known what other people are doing or have done successfully. So we're constantly recreating the wheel. There's massive overlapping efforts. There's tons of wasted energy and time and finances and resources. And we end up competing against each other for the same limited resources. And that needs to come to an end. What we need to do is learn how to partner and collaborate and unify together and give each other access to the team, time, talents, and treasure that we need to actually accomplish what God has assigned us to do. And until we learn how to do that, we're going to constantly just keep doing what we've always been doing for the last couple thousand years, which is everybody trying to enact kingdom in their own silo. And I think that that it was it's a legitimate thing when we're supposed to operate as a body of Christ. We've got to learn how to operate as a body. Yeah, and what do you think would enable that to happen? And the reason I'm, you know, I ask is, uh, you know, one of the causes that we're passionate about uh, is the anti, you know, the the sex trade, which is prolific and growing. And uh, a friend of mine for his PhD did a, a whole research project just here in the U.S. And there's over 400 ministries that are operating in that space. And uh, what his conclusion was is this could probably be consolidated down to probably 30 or 40 that would be amazingly effective. But you have everybody kind of wants to do their own thing. Um, It it creates a lot of – it kind of dilutes uh, how effective that there are. Donors who want to be part of the cause are confused about where to give and who to give and who to be behind and – so I don't know, that just popped into my head when you said that. So, you know, what are some things that we can do to actually, you know, create more, you know, to be more effective, to be more excellent? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. And there's um, one of the things that we're working on is the World Changer Network. Uh, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But before I get to that, I'll also say uh, I, I love the Big C Church. I love the body of Christ. I love um, the way that we do community together, the way that we seek the Lord, the way that we worship, the way that we pursue his presence. And I love the good that we do in communities. But that being said, um, we've gotten away from the model of the New Testament church for too long. If you look at the way that the church was structured, it wasn't supposed to be led by a senior pastor who takes care of all the weddings and the funerals and does all the teaching and does all the preaching and does all the discipling and leads all the evangelism and leads the organization and handles the finances and handles the hiring and the firing. Uh, All of those roles were supposed to be split up. There's the reason why the New Testament talks about the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. We've taken one role, the pastor, whose entire role has been to shepherd people, to take care of the souls of the people. And we put them in charge of the entire organization of the church. And uh, that needs to get fixed. It needs to get remedied because pastors, by their very nature, are very, very risk averse. They're meant to protect their sheep. You want a pastor who is very, very protective of the people in their local congregation. Well, a person who's very, very protective of their local congregation is not going to want to really reach out and connect with other churches just because that's not their focus. That's more of an apostolic role is to build city and to build uh, the organization of the kingdom in your own city. And so, so first of all, we're going to have to get to a new mindset and a new understanding of the way the church is supposed to function. And if you look at the New Testament, it wasn't a senior pastor 
leading all of these things. There was a man of peace, but there was apostolic and prophetic leaders uniting these people and helping them collaborate. So that's one thing is we're going to have to shift back to the New Testament model of the church and the understanding of the way it functions. Now, the other thing— And James, what's the the new mindset that you mentioned? How would you describe this new mindset? Well, I think that we need to—I think that the body of Christ in North America needs to have an understanding of the fivefold ministry. We need to have the correct understanding of these roles— and a correct mindset of who the pastor is and how, how they're supposed to function in the body of Christ. We, we've created a job profile for a pastor that isn't aligned with the gifts and the anointings of a pastor. And how should, how should you know, people listening, right? How should they look at their, in their personal individual role in what you're talking about? Well, I think that um, we, <laughs> okay, I don't mean to get too far down this Thing, but I but I do want to say this. We keep trying to create pastors. Yeah. And we don't do enough to raise up apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. And we just try to take every Christian and turn them into a pastor. And uh, we've got to fix that. And so the problem is you have people who are very, very gifted as apostles and not very, very good at evangelism. And we almost shame them and tell them that if they're going to be like Jesus, they need to look like a pastor. And that's just not true. That's mm-hmm. not even that's not even what the New Testament teaches. And so so I think that our leadership and our direction into the body of Christ has has created this prototype and this model of what a Christian is supposed to be. And and it's created anemic apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. So it's kind of uh, realizing kind of the role right in the body that God designed you for. And then, you know, finding other people that have been able to step into that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of actually finding people to mentor me. And I think getting some clarity on, you know, what that role looks like for for you as an individual. And then, you know, finding, you know, what is that next small step for you to actually just step into that role? Yeah. So, you know, Nehemiah was just cupbearer to the king. But the Lord put on his heart that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. His brother Hanani came back to him and said, Jerusalem's desolate. The walls are weighed lace. And uh, it said that Nehemiah, um, he mourned, he fasted, he wept. He went to the king. The king said, why are you so brokenhearted? He said, my city is laid in ruins. And the king said, I've never seen you like this. What do you want? He said, send me to Jerusalem. Give me some resources. Let me go rebuild the walls. The king blessed him, sent him. And he actually crowdsourced the people of Jerusalem. He divided them down by families. And each family either got a section of a wall or a gate. And by crowdsourcing them, they took this thing that had been uh, an insurmountable problem that nobody had been able to solve for a decade or, or longer and crowdsourced the people of Jerusalem, gave them a small piece to play. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And this was a huge problem. Uh, it had been that way for a long time. And nobody had been able to see because it was a too big of a problem. But you had a leader come in who caught a vision, he got a strategy from heaven, and he showed people how to partner and collaborate. And by each person doing their part, they were able to bring their team, time, talents, and treasure and accomplish something great. And they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And then as a result of that, not only was there a societal uh, reformation, but there was a spiritual reformation. Ezra comes and reintroduces the book of the law. The people recommit themselves to God. And so sometimes you see that just literally rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the infrastructure of society, because it's aligning to the way God is wanting that city to function, it actually creates a spiritual reformation. 
Yeah, now, now, James, as you were talking, man, just the energy and passion that was just uh, just flowing from you was so apparent. Uh, this is where the World Changer Network has come from, isn't it? It is. Yeah, this is it. We, My wife and I are called to mobilize Christians to operate as a unified force. Because if you guys go, if you're out there listening, you go to worldchangernetwork.com. I love what's on the, the front page right here. It says, as Christians... We are the largest majority on the planet. What if we operated like it? So what would it mean, and, and what does this World Changer Network do as, it, as you bring out this platform for, for people that are part of the body? Yeah, so it is going to be both a browser-based um, platform as well as a native app for both Android and iPhone. Uh, it is meant to strategically connect and mobilize Christians to operate in unity, giving everybody access to the team, the time, the talents, and the treasure that they need to accomplish the assignment that God has given them. Literally, we are crowdsourcing the problems that we are called to solve or the assignments that we've been given or the visions the Lord has put in our heart. Then we uh, crowdsource solutions and action plans. We mobilize team around it. We crowdsource uh, funding and resources to accomplish it. We execute the plan we codify the learnings about it, and then ultimately we're creating replicatable blueprints so that if somebody has solved a problem in Denver, say that we've been able to eradicate human trafficking in Denver, and now all of a sudden somebody in Salt Lake comes and says, well, I have a passion to see human trafficking end in Salt Lake. I don't want them to have to start from scratch. I want them to be able to learn uh, from the experience of the people in Denver and all their investment into that. So literally they should be able to press a button and launch a brand new initiative that builds off of the learnings and the experience of what we did in Denver. So we're trying to make it so you can have somebody who is in sub-Saharan Africa who doesn't have any access to any resources or any influencers and certainly doesn't have a million people following them. They're just somebody who's seeking the Lord and the Lord plants something into their heart and they're able to go onto a platform and say, here's the vision God has given me. And then we crowdsource the body of Christ to rally behind that and go after it and accomplish it together. Man, that's powerful. We want to so, see 50 million Christians. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 50 million Christians. Yeah, we want to see 50 million Christians in the next five years on our platform solving problems the world hasn't been able to solve, accomplishing every one of God's purposes on the earth. And we want, at one point, we want cities, states, governments, even the United Nations to come to us and say, hey, we have problems that we can't solve, but Christians are the greatest mobilized force for good the world has ever seen. How can we mobilize Christians to solve these problems? We want Christians to be known for who Jesus is and how Jesus transforms lives and cities and regions and nations, not for what we oppose. We want Christians to be known that the power and presence of Jesus changes everything. Yeah, because when you come in, let's say you come into the city of Denver and you solve a problem for the city that's front of mind for them, let's, whether it's homelessness or the sex trade or inner city crime, whatever it happens to be, and you're doing that with excellence, you're doing that because you have real outcomes, all of a sudden your influence with those people that you're working with changes. And and we were actually just talking about this with a group of men around my fire pit about just some things going on here in Denver, James. And you know what the what we came the conclusion we came to is that in a large part, Christians here in our community have lost their influence because of how we've operated and how we've shown up. And you're actually talking about what it takes to actually fix that, aren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. We, we have the ability 
to if we if we partnered together and collaborated, not only are we the single largest demographic in the world, we're the single largest demographic in the country. And if you were to take there's 330 million Americans, there's 240 million that would say that they're Christians. They just have the world view. 120 million go to church. But there's 50 million that we would all say these are lovers of Jesus. These are people who passionately live out their faith. Of those 50 million, in that's just in the U.S. alone. Of those 50 million, they have $1.2 trillion in their hands. There is no reason that we are not transforming our cities and discipling this nation. There's no reason we are not influencing and leading every sphere of culture. There's no reason this country isn't wildly pursuing the Father. We have the resources. The problem is, is we haven't known how to partner together and collaborate, and we haven't known what other people are doing. And so you end up with um, however many organizations, 400 organizations going after human trafficking when you don't need that. You, what we need is just a unified vision and strategy and the ability to partner together and collaborate to go after it. Yeah, and what you're talking about is almost overcoming this limiting belief of almost how can I as one person actually make a difference in this area, whether it's business or it's a cause or whatever it happens to be, right? You're talking about yeah, connecting wanna... with other people and actually like, hey, here's a blueprint on actually what you do, how you do it, and and here's a community, a tribe of other people that are like-minded in that area that we're going to connect you with so you guys can all serve and support each other forward. Yeah, I have a sense that when the Lord is speaking to one of our hearts mm-hmm. about something that's on his heart he wants us to do, the most likely there are millions of Christians around the world that all got the same download. Mm-hmm. But in the absence of us knowing how to find each other, each one of us try to build up our own team, try to raise our own money, try to create our own impact, solve our own problems. And so we all end up just doing this small incremental impact that doesn't really move the dial. And I don't think that that's God's heart. I think that he is speaking to millions of people at the same time, giving us an assignment and saying, now go be my body, go be my hands and feet. So one of you bring in the money. One of you bring in the vision, one bring in the strategy, one bring in the skill, one bring in the social capital. And if you could all find each other and partner, you can enact my will. And I, I believe that that's what's on God's heart right now. And I, what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise up millions of Nehemiahs who all come mm. in and say, I have a vision. I want to see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt and I can crowdsource the body of Christ to rebuild the walls in 52 days, something that seemed insurmountable. I want to raise up millions of Wilbur forces who spent years going after abolishing slavery in the British Empire and along the way did 68 other world-changing initiatives. But he did it by getting people together and forming groups of people who changed culture and transformed it. And they all partnered together and collaborated. I want to see Wilberforce's and Nehemiah's and reformers raised up and released into culture right now. Man, that's awesome. Now, if people go to worldchangernetwork.com, toward the bottom, if you scroll down, uh, you can actually fill out a profile, and I know this is pre-launch. Can you can you share a little bit about you know what that does for people and and why that'd be important? Yeah. So right now we are using uh, yes. Yeah, so please do go to worldchangernetwork.com. It's not world changers because it's about Jesus. Jesus is the one true original world changer. So this is a network all about him and the way he's working in our cities and our lives. So go to worldchangernetwork.com and fill out your profile. Before we are actually live with the ver- with the first version of our platform, we are using these profiles to make manual connections for people. And we've already been able to do that successfully. Uh, we helped um, 
a few months ago make a connection between two groups of people. One of them said, here's what I need to go after the assignment. And the other person actually happened to have the very thing that that person needed. We were able to connect them with each other and they're calling it a billion dollar transaction between them. One of them acquired the other, another wow. going after kingdom and business together. And we were able to make a, an actual manual connection because of the way they filled out these profiles. So we read every single one of these. And for right now, we are simply making a manual connection as best as we can. When the platform is up, the platform will do that for you. So for now, go on, fill out your profile, tell us the assignment God has given you, tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll read it, we're putting it into a database and we're trying to make manual connections for people as best as we can. The other thing is we're actively trying to, well, we're, we're inviting the body of Christ to help us actually fulfill this assignment. And so one need that we have is uh, some financial resources. We, we put in about a million dollars of our own finances to this point, and we have about $500,000 to go. And so there's an opportunity for you to give if you'd like to, to help us complete this and help this serve the body of Christ. So go to worldchangernetwork.com, fill out your profile, tell us about yourself. We'll do what we can to connect you with other people. And if you'd like to contribute, we would appreciate that as well. Yeah, there's a link right on there, Give to World Changer. And then right below that is the profile. And, you know, so in um, NUMA 33, uh, and let me just spell that for people. It's P-N-E-U-M-A-3-3, NUMA33.com. You know, as these two kind of operate together, what what is uh, – so your vision, right, is activating – 50 million Christians into the kingdom work that we've been called to do so that we can disciple nations. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. We want to fulfill the great commission. We believe that it's on God's heart to transform cities, disciple nations, advance the kingdom. And we want to see the gospel uh, enact heaven in every single location around the world. Now, as we wrap up, James, what just, you know, everybody listening to this conversation, because, uh, man, I'm leaning forward. I've taken like a page of notes. Uh, uh, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with folks? Every single one of you in every country, um, you are called to do the impossible. And mm. uh, Bill Johnson uh, says that you know that your mind has been transformed when the impossible seems possible. And there are many of you guys out there right now that you think you're it's it's almost crazy for you to 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 be laying a hold of what you are carrying. Who am I to do this? I'm not qualified. I'm not big enough. I don't have the skills. I could never do this. And you're wondering why God has put that vision in your heart. And I and I just want to say to you right now, um, especially uh, I, I lived in China for a year. So if there's any of you in China listening to me right now, uh, my heart is with you guys as well. Uh, but all around the world. You're not crazy. Uh, you are called to do the impossible. You are, it's not your skills or your background and your experience that qualifies you. It's God that qualifies you. And it says he gives you the desires of your heart. I have a sense, uh, if you look at that word desire, uh, of the sire, of the father, God gives you the desires that he put on your heart. God gives you the desires that the father put on your heart. Those desires, desire of the father. Uh, so he is literally giving you the desires that he put in your heart. He is the one who put that dream. He's the one who put that assignment, that vision, that strategy. Um, he's the one who put that thought in there. And so if he is the vision, he's also the provision. He's for the vision. And so you're not crazy to wonder if you can change the world. You're called to do it. Uh, you are designed for impact. The favor of God is resting on you and take courage, be encouraged 
and infuse other people with courage when they say that they're called to do something great for the kingdom uh, or in the world. Um, believe it. Stand with them and let's partner together to go after this together. We are called to do the impossible. Well, you know what I heard in there, buddy, is uh, you know what qualifies you to do any of this is actually right now feeling unqualified. Because yeah. it's it's through those that feel unqualified, uh, you know, in our humanness, in our brokenness, and all the stuff that we have in our, you know, in our in our backstory is what God uses to make us vulnerable, real, authentic, redeemed, reconciled, justified, um, and then uh, to make an impact in what he has called you to do. And I love that you said that, right? If there's that passion on your heart, recognize that, you know, what if, imagine if that is actually uh, something God has birthed there that he wants to bring out into reality. You know what? And this, what do you need to do to take that next step into that? In this world changer network, finding other like-minded people that are on that journey in that same place you are and together, that's that synergy, that unity you talked about, James, that that can accomplish amazing things. There's so many, like you talked about Nehemiah, but there's also so many incredible stories right here in the present uh, that are happening. And guess what? Uh, we are meant to be part of a story just like that, aren't we? Absolutely. Yep. It's who we are called to be. Man, that's that's awesome, buddy. I can't wait to meet you and um, Anna in person at the uh, Culture Shaper Summit. And I hope everybody out there listening, um, you can join us there. You can. Uh, I'll be there. My team will be there. James and Anna are going to be there. So uh, you know what? We can start making some of these connections also in person. Thank you, uh, buddy, for everything that you're doing. And if there's anything at all uh, we can do for you, please let me know. And uh, you know what? If uh, When James is talking, if you heard it on your heart to, uh, to donate, to give to what they're doing, uh, or just be part of their platform, please connect. Uh, Worldchangernetwork.com or numa33.com. And uh, thank you, James. You're awesome, buddy. Thank you so much. Pleasure being with you guys today. 